Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, verses 17 and 18, verses 38 and 39, and chapter 10, verses 44 to 48. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. This week, in fact, this coming Sunday, the Christian church celebrates Pentecost Sunday. The word Pentecost simply means 50th day. The Christian celebration of Pentecost, which will be the focus of our lesson for this week, was not the first time this special day was celebrated. The original day of Pentecost, celebrated by Jews for many hundreds of years before Jesus' life on earth, was a day-long holiday tied to the week to the Feast of Weeks. This Jewish day of celebration comes 50 days after the sacred celebration of Passover. Pentecost was a significant Jewish holiday, which celebrated the law of God. Remember, the night before Jesus was betrayed and went to the cross, he had celebrated Passover with his disciples. At that meal, Jesus washed his disciples' feet, predicted Judas's betrayal, and instituted a new meaning for the bread and the wine that came to be known as the Last Supper. The next day, a Friday, around 3 p.m., Jesus took his last breath as he hung on a wooden cross. Three days later, early on Sunday morning, the greatest event in the history of the world took place. God raised Jesus from the grave. Sin, the enemy, and the grave had once and for all been defeated. Jesus revealed himself alive to his disciples on many different occasions over the next 40 days, according to Acts chapter 1, verse 3. One time, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 6, he even appeared before more than 500 people. On the 40th day after Passover, Jesus gave his disciples additional instructions. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts chapter 1, verses 4b through 5. After a brief discussion about the end times, Jesus was taken up to heaven before the disciples' very eyes. The disciples obeyed Jesus' instructions, waiting and praying together for an additional 10 days. On the 50th day after Pentecost, in the midst of a Jewish celebration known as Pentecost, Jesus' promise of his presence came in power. With that background, let's begin by looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to skip to verses 17 and 18, 38 to 39, and then to chapter 10, verses 44 to 48.
Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then skipping to verse 17. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Again, skipping to verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. And then skipping to chapter 10, starting in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The book of Acts records that there were many devout Jews in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost when the Holy Spirit first descended upon the early Christians. These Jewish onlookers are reported as being from more than a dozen areas of the known world. They had traveled to Jerusalem by land and sea to celebrate the Jewish festival of Pentecost. An obvious question is, why did all these Jews need to travel back to Jerusalem? Well, beginning in the 8th century before Christ, Jewish people began experiencing a series of migrations from the promised land that we know today as Israel. Some of these migrations were forced by the Assyrians in the 8th century, some by the Babylonians in the 6th century BC, and others by a succession of Persian, Greek, and Roman rulers uh, up to and following the first century of the Christian centuries. Other uh, ancient Jews, like many people today, voluntarily decided to leave the home of their ancestry in search of new opportunities in foreign lands. This series of migrations, both voluntary and involuntary, is known as a Jewish diaspora. The word diaspora comes from a Greek word meaning dispersals or scatterings. It's believed that the number of Jews who lived outside Israel during Jesus' day was in the millions. Some scholars suggest that there were more than a million Jews living in Egypt during the early part of the first century AD. It also appears that nearly every Roman city during the Roman Empire had at least some Jewish population. 
the primary distinction of the ancient Jewish diaspora is that these ancient Jewish migrants maintained their traditional faith. Jews were the only monotheists, people who believed in only one deity in the entire ancient world, believing that there is only one true God and that all other so-called gods are false gods. You can imagine how these Jews really stood out in their new homelands. Jews from around the ancient world often prioritized travel back to Jerusalem for various sacred feasts and festivals, including Passover and Pentecost. The city of Jerusalem on that first Christian Pentecost would have been a buzz in Jewish visit visitors speaking many different languages. Luke, the author of Acts, had mentioned in Acts chapter 1 verse 13 that the disciples had entered a house and gone upstairs to the place where they were staying. There in this upper room, they joined together constantly in prayer for what appears to have been a period of 10 days leading up to Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, the small group of early believers of Jesus had gathered together in one place, a house. Acts chapter 1 verse 15 mentioned that the number of people gathered was about 120. While they were gathered praying, the promised gift of the Holy Spirit came. There was a sound, there was a wind, and there was fire. Throughout the Bible, many of the divine manifestations of God involve both sight and sound. Sound is reminiscent of God's appearance at Sinai. Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 and 17 record it this way. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Wind symbolized the Spirit of God. Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 9 and 10 say this, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath or the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into the slain, these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Fire often demonstrated the presence of God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames from of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. The presence of God, however, was not just for them to see and to hear. God had come by his Spirit to make his dwelling in the hearts of all people who believe on Jesus for salvation. His indwelling presence would transform them from the inside out. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When the believers in Jerusalem on that first Pentecost were filled with the Spirit, verse 4 says that they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What exactly this gift was has been debated through the centuries and is still debated today. 
What is clear is that in this case, the disciples were enabled to speak in languages that were native to the various people who had gathered to hear them in Jerusalem, according to Acts chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Because the crowds could understand what the disciples were saying, it demonstrated that the disciples truly were filled with the Spirit. Peter was led by the Spirit to address the, the crowds directly. Some have suggested that as Peter preached, the other disciples fanned out into the crowd and repeated Peter's words in the languages of the people men groups mentioned in Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Others note that Acts chapter 2, verse 8 says, how is it that each of us hears them in our native languages, suggesting that the miracle was as much a gift of hearing as it was a gift of speaking. However it happened, what follows is the first Spirit-inspired Christian sermon which Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter's sermon starts in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, and goes through chapter 2, verse 39. Peter testified to what God had done through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. To make his point, Peter quoted an 850-year-old prophecy from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. For Peter, no other passage captured as well what was happening that day. In Joel's vision of the future, Joel saw, saw a time in the last days when God would pour out his spirit on all people. Peter announced that these last days had now begun. The message that Peter and the other disciples were sharing was not their own. It was from God. And what they were experiencing that day was a movement of God among his people. God had spoken through the prophet Joel, and God was speaking once again through Peter and the other disciples. It's important to notice the inclusiveness of the good news at this point. Both sons and daughters, both young and old, both servants and free people would be able to prophesy because of the outpouring of the Spirit. In fact, all who believe in Jesus would be able to give Spirit-filled witness to what God has done in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God's Spirit is not just for men. It is not just for the elders. It is not just for those who have much wealth. God's Spirit is for all believers. We will soon find out that this all even includes Gentiles. I pray that those who are listening to this lesson, either here on this video or through teachers in, this, in a Sunday school class, might be encouraged to know that you are included in this all. The Holy Spirit came to empower you as much as he came to empower any leader or pastor of your church. You are included. But how does one receive the Holy Spirit? For that question, let's jump to the end of Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 1, verses 38 and 39. After quoting Joel, Peter makes his argument that Jesus was handed over to be crucified as part of God's deliberate plan. Those listening to Peter were responsible for nailing Jesus to the cross, Acts chapter 2, verse 23. The good news is that God had raised Jesus to life, verse 32. 
after the resurrection, God then poured out the promised Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, verse 33, on Jesus' followers. As Peter finished his sermon, the people were cut to the heart and asked, what shall we do in verse 37? Peter's response put three things together that would remain connected throughout the early church and would become a part of Christian theology for centuries that followed. First, repent. They were to turn from their sin and seek forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. Second, those who respond in repentance were to be baptized. Baptism was the outward sign of their repentance and faith in Jesus. The Greek word for baptism means to overwhelm or immerse. This simply, this simply implies that a person is totally drowned in the Holy Spirit. Baptism also indicated their acceptance into the believing community called the church. Acts chapter 2 verse 41 revealed that 3,000 people accepted the message of Peter that day, repented, and were baptized and became a part of the church. The third action Peter mentioned was that these believers who repent and are baptized would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For Luke, these three things characterize the start of the early church, repentance, baptism with water, and baptism with the Holy Spirit. Peter concluded his message with a promise for the future. The Holy Spirit was not restricted only to those who were listening that day. Those who heard that day would take Peter's message to their families, including their children, and then to their communities all around the world for all who are far off, Acts chapter 2, verse 39. Those words of Peter are shown to be true in a surprising way as we look at our final passage for this week's lesson in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 48. While the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 focused on the coming of the Holy Spirit to Jews in Jerusalem, the story of Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 tells how the Spirit was first poured out on Gentiles. Cornelius was a centurion, an officer of a hundred soldiers in the Roman military. He was also a devout and God-fearing man, according to Acts chapter 10, verse 2. God convinced Cornelius to invite Peter to come to his home, and Peter, through a divine vision, knew that he should accept this invitation. Cornelius assembled his relatives and close friends, according to Acts chapter 10, verse 24. And then in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 43, we find Peter's sermon to a primarily Gentile audience. As a faithful Jew, Peter had no idea that this would be the direction God would direct the church's witness to go. Though Jesus' followers knew that they were to be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, they did not expect that the Gentiles would become believers in Jesus. The coming of the Holy Spirit on the Gentiles in Cornelius's house draws clear parallels with Pentecost. Even before Peter finished praying, verse 44, the repentant hearts of those in the home ushered in the presence of the Holy Spirit into the lives of everyone present. They were baptism with water followed, 
and even the sign of speaking in tongues connected the two stories. Because the Spirit has been poured out on these new Gentile believers, there is no denying that Cornelius's household has become a part of the church. With their baptism, the church had spread so far as to include even God-fearing Gentiles. Every generation throughout history experiences at least one historically significant event that affects everyone. This event can be tragic, catastrophic, or technologically advanced. With such events, everyone remembers where uh, we were when it happened. You might think of Pearl Harbor, Kennedy's assassination, first man on the moon, the fall of the Berlin Wall, 9-11, or a worldwide pandemic. The coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was such a historical event that forever changed the world and Christ's church. While Pentecost was for the church, a communal event, it was also for all believers or for every one of the believers. So I end with this question for you today. Have you had a personal Pentecost where you repented of your sins, were baptized, and received the Holy Spirit? If not, let me ask you this. Why not now? Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.